Hey everybody, I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vanessa Vitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, which is the largest business association in the country. That's a hard word to say today. It is. <laughs> uh, for more info on us, visit njbia.org. We release a new episode every other Friday, so be on the lookout. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance. They provide home, auto, and workers' comp insurance, and they are the official sponsor of the show. I never get tired of saying that. Mm. Check them out if you need some insurance. I myself actually usually have problems with the acronym. Like if I say NJBIA too fast, I either throw a G in there or <laughs> yeah, stumble on the I or the A. So mm -hmm. no judgment today. Thank you. Uh, before we get started, a quick reminder to please subscribe on your network of choice, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you can get a podcast, we're there. If there's somewhere you can get podcasts that we aren't, by all means, write into opb at njbia.org and let us know, and I'll make sure to change that up for you. And rate us. If you're listening to this on a network that allows ratings and reviews like iTunes, please make sure to do so. It helps us get discovered. If you love us, give us the five-star review. If you hate us, go away. <laughs> Why are you still here? Yeah, you know? like, you're not really listening if you hate us. Nobody wants you here. Go home. Yeah. So with us today is Michael Diamond of the Asbury Park Press. Uh, Michael, say hello. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm nervous. I didn't know it's the biggest business association in the country. <laughs> The galaxy, actually. We have 19,000 members. That is ridiculous. It yeah. sounds ridiculous every time I say it. 19,000 members. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, well, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm Michael Diamond. I'm a reporter, business reporter at the Asbury Park Press. And I cover the economy and um, healthcare and everything else that sort of comes up in the business world. I've been at the press for... 19th is my 19th year. Wow. So That's I've seen, impressive. Yeah, I've seen the um, economy really evolve over, over that time, starting in, in 99, uh, back before most people were born now. So. <laughs> Not before me. No, we were definitely here. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely here. And yeah, it's, um, it's, been, it's been a fascinating, it's a fascinating state to cover. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. If that's one thing we can say about New Jersey, <laughs> it's fascinating. New Jersey is a fascinating state to cover and watch. It's true. Okay, so today's icebreaker is, what is your favorite book and why? Who wants to go first? Vinny does. No. I'll <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, you, okay, so I'll go. My favorite book is uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. It was recently made into a movie, but I would recommend that you read the book rather than watching the movie. Not that the movie was bad. It's just that they made sweeping changes to the plot, characters, motivations, just about everything. So that book has been owned by me in my Audible oh, you have it? library for oh. like more than a year. And I still have no idea what it's about. So tell me what it is about. So um, it's a kind of a dystopian future where people spend their time in virtual reality because the world itself mm. isn't worth going out into anymore. The person who invented the virtual reality thing long ago died and made a scavenger hunt based on his personal interests, movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, video games, that kind of stuff. And whoever finds the Easter egg planted somewhere in the virtual reality, based on their knowledge of those movies and whatnot, inherits like a half a bit of, it's either a billion or a trillion dollars. Oh my like God. Yeah, so everybody in the world is obsessed with, you know, 80s, 90s pop culture, trying to finish the adventure and get the egg. And as a big movie fan, I, you know. I, I was like, gonna say, it's a perfect yeah. book for you. There's a certain challenge in the, the book where the character has to recite word for word every line from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh my gosh, yeah. really? 
they don't actually take the time to do it. Oh. But like, you know, they, they talk about it. And I, I was like, I don't know that I could pull that off. I could probably yeah, do pretty well, but I don't know word for word what I know said, but that's the sort of certain thing. lines from that movie. Yeah, like the a author just gets me on a cool <laughs> level. Like the, the vehicle that the kid drives is the Back to the Future Time Machine DeLorean wow. with Ghostbusters logos on the doors no. and a Knight Rider grill in front that he calls the Ecto 88. I was just oh like, my I took a picture God. of that paragraph. I was like, he gets me. But I'm just a sucker for adventure stories. It's, it's um, once you get to a point where the villains really crank it up to 11, um, <laughs> I was just addicted. I couldn't put it down. So, wow. Yeah. All Is that right. a new one? Um, no, it's ooh, been out. It's been out for like five or six yeah. years. Now. Maybe a little bit longer. I've yeah. owned it for at least a year and a half. Yeah. I know it's been at least um, a few years since I've rented it or rented it, read it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So or, did you see the movie? I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of like... Um, I enjoyed it as a very separate thing. Like, mm -hmm. I almost don't even consider it an adaptation of the book because it's that different. But um, hmm. it's it's also pretty enjoyable. I would just recommend reading the book first. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Michael. Okay. So, the question was what, what, what my favorite book is? Yeah. Okay. I, I, so, recently. I'm going to go with recently. Okay. I just finished this book called Sing a Buried Sing. <gasps> by Jasmine Ward, mm -hmm. who I think is probably um, my favorite author of the moment. It's just about uh, um, kids growing up down in the South in Mississippi and sort of the the burden that they that they bear from Jim Crow and slavery over the years. Mm -hmm. And it's so um, beautifully told and devastating at the same time that um, I just, I had to not read a book for a few months after I finished it and just sort of let it sink in. Um, Was that so, the one where yeah. all the characters are really unlikable? Yeah, so yeah. we actually have a book group here at NJBIA, and that was the last book that we read yeah. for the NJBIA book group. I actually sat that book out, but still attended the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can speak intelligently about the book. I just haven't read it. Yeah. Um, I hated the book. I showed up. I listened to it and I showed up at the book group meeting like angry and like I hated this book yeah. only because the characters were so awful, awful to each other, awful to their children, awful people. And those poor kids, you know, being born, you don't choose where you're born. And I just, I felt like their lives probably weren't going to turn out very well. Yeah. Because... So that spoke to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of, um, yeah, it, it, I was crying at the end several mm -hmm. times, which I rarely do with with books. But it was just, um, it was just a lovely. I, I, it's hard to describe. And you're right, the characters, the adults in that book were were hard to stomach. Mm -hmm. um, but you could sort of see how you would in in that growing up in that environment, how yeah. you would sort of end up like that. And then these kids needing to be older than needing to be the adults in the book. Yeah. Um, and. You hope, uh, you know, you're at the end, you're like, I hope they make it. I really do. What was yeah. it that really spoke to you? Uh, really, uh, from a writing standpoint mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how it's crafted and every sentence was so lyrical. And mm -hmm. th that was kind of what pulled me in. Like when, when I read um, kind of in journalism, when I'm reading, I kind of look at the more than the information, just sort of how's the story told yeah. and how's the writing mm -hmm. and is it singing? We sort of, does it meet your ear mm -hmm. well? And with her, it just meets my ear perfectly. And I don't know if it's like her Southern upbringing that I just love in that type of writing. But um, that pulled me in. And then um, sort of the characters, it's hard to describe. Like the characters just sort of come into focus. 
Yes. And there they are and how she did it is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. I have three criteria for like a really, really great book. And it is good characters, great story, beautiful writing. Mm -hmm. And if, if a writer and an author can give me all three of those, I fall in love. And it is just a book like no other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and that's kind of, if I have trouble getting into the rhythm of the writing, mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it. Right. Mm. So, right. um, but you can sort of hear the voice, like there's just kind of this common writerly voice out there that you sort of fall into. So, mm -hmm. and we do it, we at least try to do it with newspapers and, and journalism today too, um, to tell a story mm -hmm. and, um, develop your characters mm -hmm. as like mm -hmm. real people in this case and the struggles that they're going through and sort of, you know, tell what it is to, you know, live and work in New Jersey or America or the world today. Yeah, we're all just people trying yeah. to make it work. You should have come yeah. to our book club. Meeting. I know, I know. <laughs> I totally agree. Because what are you reading now? Uh, the Alice Network. The Alice Network, yeah, which is a World War II book. It's good. All right. Mm -hmm. Technically, I, th I think it's more of a World War One book than a World War Two book. Oh, you're yeah. right. Well, it makes me happy that you have a book club. I know, yeah. yeah. We're, there are a lot of readers here. And we actually, you know what? The reporters at the press started one, too, and they invited me to join. And I was like, I need to finish the book. I'm a slow reader. Mm. So it can take, like, how long do you give yourself to read the book? Uh, it's, it's usually a while. It, yeah, well, we always are very optimistic. Like, we'll set it for four to five weeks out and then it'll usually get pushed because somebody's calendar, yeah. something happens with it and they can't make it. Yeah. And we're a very small book group. So we like to make sure that all the people who are in it can be there. Yeah. So if one person is like, oh, this date doesn't work anymore, we'll just change it for everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And actually like the Alice Network is the very first book I ever read. I'm going to call it on tape because, but listen to yeah, it was a CD, but yeah, um, that was the first time. And it was actually pretty convenient because mm -hmm. I just had the, the, it was like a pile of discs on the seat in my car next to me. And as I have about a 35 minute or so mm -hmm. commute. So as one disc would end, I'd just pop in the next one and you know, it maybe took a couple weeks, but what was I doing on my commute anyway? So yeah, That's, I got a book out of the way. Yeah, I'm totally that. I'm totally listening to that book as well on yeah. my commute. Yeah, I should make it clear. I wasn't correcting Kate in the sense that it's not a World War II book. If you read the book, <laughs> it's it's set in both times. Yeah, and there are flashbacks. It's definitely like a spy story about World War One. Yeah, the other half of the book does take place in World War Two, but I would say that the war is not really prevalent in the second. <sighs> yeah, you know, after I said that, technically the. Other part takes place in 1947, two years after the war ends. Mm. So yeah, if it's a war book at all, it's a World War One book. Yeah. How about you? What's your favorite book? So my favorite book is um, I Married a Communist by Philip Roth, mm. who is my all-time favorite author. He actually just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And when that That's happened, I literally could not believe it. Like... He, I was joking to somebody a couple of years ago about crashing his funeral because I wouldn't really <laughs> believe that he was really gone unless I saw it from my own eyes. And yeah, that was really hard to, to know that he wasn't with us in the world anymore writing. Yeah, have you been to the Newark Library? Yes. What's that like? Because they have his collection, is that? I saw him live and I got to meet him at the Newark Library wow. once. It was amazing. I got to shake his hand and everything. It was unbelievable. And then he signed my copy of The Ghostwriter. It was Unbelievable. Uh -huh. He is amazing. Uh -huh. Absolutely amazing. Um, but I Married a Communist is such a nostalgic look at America. It is set in Newark in uh, like 1950. And it's about a radio star who is sort of on the down low, a communist for political reasons. 
and he is married to this very, very famous actress, and they have an incredibly tumultuous relationship. And um, they end up leaving each other, getting a divorce, and she writes a book called I Married a Communist, outing him. And he loses his job, and like, you know, it's during the Red Scare. It's a, it's a really powerful look at what life was really like for a lot of people during that time. Um, but Newark becomes a character in the book, and it is such an interesting look at what Newark used to be like. There's a line from that book that I will never forget, and it is, can you imagine a friendlier place on earth than Bergen Street in Newark? And I, I look at that line, and I'm just like, yeah, I sure can. <laughs> like, anywhere else on earth. Wow. No offense to those who <laughs> right, of course. Newark. Right, of course, obviously. But, like, you know, looking at Newark through my lens versus reading it through his lens, mm. it just, in one sentence, tells you everything you need to know about what Newark was like back then. Yeah, and I think I, he talked about that in American Pastoral. I think I read yes, that one. Yes, McCarter Highway, American yeah. Pastoral, yes. Right. And um, mm -hmm. But I read that before I, I moved to New Jersey, so... Really? Yeah. American Pastoral or I, I Married? No, American. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the, the trilogy, the Nathan Zuckerman trilogy, right? Yeah. That in Human Stain? That's another good one. Okay. Anthony but, Hopkins uh, starred in the movie adaptation. <laughs> of that. Not that I know anything about it, but um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I married a communist. Does it fulfill your three requirements? Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. The very last paragraph of that book. Spoiler alert. I, I'm not. No, it has nothing to do with anything. It's the the author or the the narrator sort of lying on his back deck and looking up at the stars and just reflecting on what it means to be a human. I could reread that last paragraph of that book forever. Yeah. It is beautifully written, absolutely beautifully written, beautiful, fantastic, larger-than-life characters, and a great, great story. Fantastic book. Now I feel like we undersold our books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember the last paragraph, but I like uh, Gatsby. I remember I the last paragraph. Oh, I'm Gatsby! Like, That's brilliant. Like it is. nothing's ever going to be better than that. Right. So yeah. Why not everybody just quit? Right. <laughs> we have enough books anyway. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the point? All right. So tell us a little about the Asbury Park Press. Yeah. Um, the press, well, speaking of Newark, we don't cover Newark. But <laughs> the, the Asbury Park Press, we cover um, Monmouth and Ocean County. Uh, it's an area uh, at the Jersey Shore. It's part of the USA Today network. Um, which has, I believe it's seven papers now, including the Bergen Record, um, the Courier Post in Cherry Hill, the Courier News in Bridgewater. So we kind of cover the entire state now and um, sort of integrating, trying to figure out, uh, trying to integrate that footprint um, and still deliver local news and focus on local news. So occasionally I'll be covering statewide issues and we'll share with all the papers and occasionally I'll find myself, um, you know, in Asbury Park for, mm. for some local issues. And nice. um, also um, app.com is the website mm. and um, we're moving really, you know, hundred miles per hour to digital. Yeah. From print, just trying sure. to keep up with the changing yeah. way people consume news now. And um, I think we're, we're starting to um, get the hang of it and get the rhythm. It's, um, it has its, it's, I think overall it's, it's a good thing. I think um, the storytelling is sharper. Mm -hmm. I think you have more uh, videos and um, audio and different components and graphics. Oh, so you're talking about actually adapting the writing style to how you would read on the internet, you know? 
yeah. shorter bulleted, that kind of thing. Sometimes, yeah, occasionally. And But when I'm doing that, I'm like, why didn't we do this before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, you're explaining the issue more clearly to readers. And um, it's it also like kind of is easier to format the story and, and plan it out and sort of focus on in your in your own mind. It's probably mm. less confining in terms of formatting, so that you don't have to worry about you know two columns and how many inches and that kind of thing. It's just how when it mm. when it ends, it ends. You don't have to stretch it or or chop it up. No, um, you don't. And but you know we, we write long pieces too. Still, mm-hmm. of course, um, and. Those, you know, happen to be kind of the ones that I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you know, it's just a reminder, and you get it every day based on, you know, how you you can see who's reading it and how long they're reading, and it's just you're constantly reminding: Did I present this to the reader in the best way possible? Mm-hmm. Anything you're working on now, or recently? <clears throat> well, I just finished. I'm glad you asked. I just finished. Um, a project, and it's a longer form project on Tilly, who is sort of the unofficial mascot of Asbury Park. So Tilly is <laughs> this clown-like, smiling clown-like figure that you've seen. Um, right now, it's on the Wonder Bar. It's in on T-shirts and sweatshirts and mugs, and it's all over the boardwalk. And um, its history is colorful. So um, you know it. it Kind of traces back to Coney Island in the 1800s. It made a re- it made a recovery in Asbury Park in the 1950s, and now it's everywhere. And we sort of wondered, like, who owns Tilly? Is somebody sitting there collecting all the royalties from everything that's being sold? Mm. And it was quite a treasure hunt trying to sort of figure out who has the best claim at it, and learning a lot about copyright and trademark law, <laughs> which is just beyond complicated. Fascinating, mm. yeah, I'm sure. it was. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we're hoping uh, a lot of people check that out this summer, um, along with the documentary. Mm. So another type of new journalism that we're doing. Cool. That's amazing. So you guys are producing a documentary. Yeah. It's 11 minutes. Okay. So, but I think it's like really... I mean, relative to the subject, right? I mean, it's, it's a it's a picture of a clown with like a creepy smile on a sign somewhere. I don't know that you would want to stretch it out to the twelve hour Ken Burns. You know, right. To, it's yeah. funny. I didn't know. I'll be honest. I didn't know what you were talking about at first when you said Tilly the clown, and then when you talked about Coney Island and the. The creepiness. The creepy smile. And then I was like, oh, I know what they're talking about now. Yeah. I know exactly who, who Tilly is. Yeah. I never thought Tilly was a woman, though. Tilly is a man? I mean, a boy clown? Tilly's a boy clown. Right. Um, I mean, not to Tilly is a head, and I don't think <laughs> heads have genders when they're But it <laughs> looks like a boy. You know, as just a head, it looks like a boy clown. It is a boy clown. Okay. Um, How did Tilly become its name, then? Uh, it goes back to... Um, we think it goes back to George Tillieu, who owned the Steeplechase amusements. Oh. And he's known for the Steeplechase in Coney Island. And um, they think that that sort of figure uh, was his brother. Um, the clown? I don't know why you would put that on <laughs> as your logo, but he did it. And then he opened the Steeplechase in Asbury Park. He opened a Steeplechase in Atlantic City and used the same logo. So they tore down the steeplechase in Asbury in 1935 to make way for progress. Um, hmm. But when another amusement place in Asbury, the Palace Amusements, which people know from Springsteen, uh, was expanding in the 50s, they commissioned a sign company there 
to decorate the outside of the building, and, and they came up with Tilly, a similar, but maybe not exactly the same type of hmm. guy smiling. Mm. Uh, and so that's where, when we apply copyright law and trademark law to it, it starts to go off the rails. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking when, I know at least with trademark law, if you don't defend your trademark regularly, you lose it. I guess copyright might be different. Um, Is that right? If you don't yeah. defend it regularly? Yeah, you have to defend it. Because, um, okay, so that's why you always have Band-Aid coming out and saying, like, they're not Band-Aids, they're adhesive strips. And it's not Googling it, it's searching it. Because if you allow something to become generic enough, then anybody can claim the term. Like Kleenex. Exactly, yeah. Wow. But where then it gets a little more complicated because you could have the copyright for something and then sue the person with the trademark who's using it mm. and say, that's not an original copy that you're using, that's mine. But back in the 50s when they were making Tilly, it really didn't come up. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody thought that he'd be this marketing marvel today. Marketing marvel. Yeah. I will never look at that clown again without thinking that... That con's name is Tilly. <laughs> See? Wow, I learned something really profound and important today. I you feel always like. learn things when you listen to our show. It's That's true. why we deserve the full five stars. It's on true. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so I think we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to play a game called Awful or Awesome. Cool. And we're back, and it is time to play Awful or Awesome. I'm going to name three things in quick succession, and you have to decide whether they're awful or awesome, and you have to you have to defend your answers. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> okay, great. First up, superhero movies. Wow, dead silence. <laughs> Should I go first? Uh, I, I, I mean, it's your bailiwick. <laughs> well, I, I am the comic book geek of the group here, but I mean, even I'm getting a lot of fatigue on these things at yeah. this point. You know, it's um. There's just so many, and it's... I mean, yeah. can I just say that I saw X-Men 1, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And yeah. then I saw X-Men 2, and I was like, oh, my God, that was, was amazing. Yeah. And then every movie after X-Men 2, I've been like, meh. Yeah. Just mm. sort of, meh, bored. Yeah. Not bored. That's, that's too mean, probably. But it's just a lot of people in tights running around blowing stuff up. Like, do you remember, <laughs> what was the Superman with Henry Cavill? Man of Steel. Yes. That, they destroyed a whole town, and they were. It was like one explosion after another, like buildings exploding. Yeah. And I remember being so bored. I yeah. was like, "All right, I wish I could get up and walk away and come back. Fast forward. I was in the theater. I wish I could fast forward until this is done." Because I was kind of like the Transformers movies, yes. where, you know, Michael Bay style. Like yeah, eventually, action right. just gets kind of boring. Speaking of Man of Steel. Um, I've been trying to hit the drum that like Superman Returns was grossly <gasps> underrated. Yes. Came out, you know? Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. No, no, yeah. it's, it's a serious film about you know what it means to not be able to go home again and try to come back to a world that's moved on without you. And you and know, there's that know. emotional core too. Like she has his child, and yeah. they they can't ever talk about it. Yeah. And that was sad for him. Yeah. I mean, that was really almost devastating. I watched that movie and I was like, oh my God. This. Do you remember when he was in the hospital bed and yeah. they couldn't get the IV in? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's going to die. Yeah, actually, I remember, I, I, I'm okay with admitting this. I actually dropped a few tears when uh, 
There's a point in, earlier in the movie where she, Lois talks about how Superman left, and she was like, you know, he couldn't even say goodbye. And then later on in the movie, he knows he's going to die. So he's like, goodbye, Lois. And I was just, wow, that hit me right in the stomach. Yeah, um, that was a great movie. Interesting that you actually really liked X-Men 1 and 2 and then Superman Returns, because Brian Singer directed X-Men 1 and 2, um, left didn't do X-Men 3, so he could do Superman Returns, and then that franchise went downhill. That's why it all went to hell. Yeah, yeah. So this is the conversation in the office where I sort of go somewhere else <laughs> and get yeah, yeah. donuts or Sorry something. Sorry about that. Kind oh, of okay. like, like, Superman, is he a superhero? No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Because I saw the original and liked it a lot. Christopher Reeves, right? Yeah. Like the original original. When I was... Eight. Well, I, technically, I there was a yeah. um, Superman movie in the 50s with George Reeves. But let's oh. Superman in the moment. But, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I, I haven't gotten into the whole superhero um, genre. I'm sorry, everybody. That's okay. No, it's, it's That's fine. okay. Some and of them really are You're allowed awesome. to say awful. Just, you know. Okay. Yeah. There's just so many. And it's, you know, like Mar uh, Disney has theirs and Fox has theirs and... Warner Brothers has theirs, and then you yeah. got a bunch of independents. There's just so much of it. You know? I agree. I'm going to have to say awful. And the three mm -hmm. movies that we talked about are the exceptions that prove the rule. But mostly, I, mean, I, I, I definitely don't. enjoy more than just those three. But right, there but. are so many that I just I I almost don't want to keep up anymore. You mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. for somebody who's a big fan, it's that's that's a bad place to be. You are their demographic. Yeah, and if they're losing <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked about the the state of the movie industry in general in previous mm -hmm. episodes. I mean, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs where very few movies are making money these days. Yeah. And the superhero movies are among the movies that kind of bankroll the studios for the whole year because um, you lose a lot of money on the serious uh, dramas and independents. And all right. And you kind of make it back when Black Panther makes a billion dollars. but. If we do hit this point where there's this fatigue, then you know they're going to have to come up with something else. Well, what's the? I saw the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. What's the next one that came out with all the superheroes? Because maybe I'll just catch that one. And ah, oh, well, the the one. So you're talking about Avengers: Infinity War. So that was the culmination of ten years worth of eighteen films. Do I need to watch them all? I mean, you don't have to, but it makes a lot more sense if you do. Actually, mm -hmm. Black Panther and maybe like couple other but black panther gives you a good kind of lead into it because a lot of it takes place in wakanda but yeah oh. insert me rolling my eyes yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry okay um next one is out of office messages i hate those things yeah i don't that's why i added this because i don't understand you don't understand why i hate them or you don't understand out of office messages <laughs> wow i don't understand why you hate them you thank you for okay. making me say no. that i don't understand them what no i didn't mean that you didn't understand i thought you meant like i don't understand why people like these things oh. i didn't mean like, i understand that you would get it's a very simple concept <laughs> thank you no i mean okay i get it internally like so for our internal emails if i'm out for a couple days you know there's there's a greater expectation that if somebody emails me, I'm going to get back to them faster. Right. But like, you know, if you email somebody out of the office, I kind of have an expectation that they're not going to get back to me for at least like 24 hours anyway. You know, if I ask a question, maybe that person's got to go find the right person and that person's got to get back to them and maybe they're in a meeting. You know, I get it. So if somebody writes 
I get a kickback email that's just like, oh yeah, I'm out of the office for 24 hours. I'm like, Did I really? You know? Oh well, that uh, the 24 yeah. hour one, yeah, that's yeah. kind I of don't lame. I guess. I mean, if it's a whole week or something, yeah. fine. You know, then I'm like, okay, am I not getting a response for a whole week? Maybe I should try to write somebody else. But for a day, I mean, I get a lot of those where I'm just. It's another email I have to delete. You know yeah. how much I love those. So, I yeah. do know how much you love those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I like them. self. Complain <laughs> less to Kate about my email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like uh, the out-of-office message only because I very routinely will email someone and then forget that I did. Like, I'll just assume that when they reply to me, I will remember what it was about. I don't know. Sure. And then when they send me back the automatic reply, I'm like, oh, I need to make a note to follow up with them because otherwise we both might forget. Like, when you come back from vacation and you've got, like, 10,000 emails that you have to catch up on, Side note, do you prefer when it's plural for it to be email or emails? Because I think when you get mail from the post office, plural is mail. Emails sounds ridiculous to me. But if you use it in a sentence, like, I've got 3,000 email. Yeah, emails. no, no, emails. It should be emails. I've got 3,000 emails. It doesn't emails. make sense to my ears is all I'm saying. <clears throat> huh. Has this, is this really the first time you've ever thought about this? Yes, this is absolutely the first time. <laughs> I think about this all the time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it should be emails plural. No, it shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> Michael, what do you think? Uh, Weigh in. Yeah, uh, what do I, I, I've got emails to go. I think it's emails. No, I have so many emails to catch up on. No. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds no, wrong. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of things in grammar that kind of sound wrong but are right. So I, maybe. But this is a new enough word. Well, maybe it's not new anymore. No. But like at some point in the early days, somebody should have said 10,000 emails. I'm sure the Associated Press has covered this one. We should have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, Michael. Out of office messages. Um, oh, they're awesome. I, I You love them. Yeah. I do too. Awesome. I have to, um, especially for us, and I'll like send out an email trying to interview somebody. And then, and by the way, this makes me sound like a hypocrite because I can't figure out how to like change the voicemail on my phone. So uh, people are calling me when I'm on vacation and they're wondering how I can give up. But I'm I have a, a cheat sheet. You know, like I figured yeah. it out once. I wrote it all down and I pull it out every time I need to. Yeah, I thought I did. Uh, <laughs> but apparently not. So people are wondering why. But yeah, I have to... Um, I mean, just yeah, just yesterday, I, I sent an email trying to um, interview somebody. I got it bounced back, so then I know that I've got to go to yeah to the second yeah second option for my job. Yeah, and I would encourage all business owners to to use that function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. All right, last one: online shopping. I mean. Online shopping is awesome, right? I agree. Yeah. Don't have to go anywhere. I I just hate going up. out shopping. You know, I, mm -hmm. I I'm not the kind of person that likes to kind of browse in a store, you know, or I I know what I want, and mm -hmm. so it's easier for me to just kind of place an order online. Actually, I've gotten really spoiled too because certain websites have really trained you to want free shipping on everything, and it does cost money to physically pick something up and drive it to your house. So I shouldn't expect it, but. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day, I, I ordered, you know, we were just talking about it, the 
the Blu-ray of Ready Player One, mm -hmm. Target has like a, a special edition that comes with more stuff than the rest of the places. So I was going to make my first purchase at Target in forever. And uh, they wanted to charge me something like 6 or $7 to ship it. And I was like, but the thing only costs like 20 you know? So There's got to be a Target yeah. near your house, though. Can you just call them and have them? Yeah, but then i got to drive to Target, <laughs> yes, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that leads me back I to the know, problem. I know, I know. And the parking lot is always a mess. And it's always crowded, and the checkout lines are too long. Mm. I totally agree. Yeah. Online shopping is the way to go. I love it. Um, so that's interesting. I'm going to say um, I don't feel strongly one way or the other, so it's not mm. awful or awesome. Mm. Um, I like going out. I like. I, uh, I don't know. I like the experience, like seeing the stores and seeing the products and seeing like people watching. Uh, so sort of the social aspect of going out, but the traffic is just brutal. So yeah. I, um, and I'm actually doing a story about Freehold Raceway Malls. Funny you should mention this. Oh, Freehold. that was my mall growing up. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Aww. doing a story about that because uh, we've got three regional malls in, in Monmouth and Ocean County, and two of them are kind of starting over from scratch because of um, the online shopping world. But Freehold has managed to hang in there. and. So the question is how... Well, they, I mean, they got a carousel in the food court. I mean, that... <laughs> the carousel... They do? Do they take it out? Oh, I don't even have that. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Wow. They did. You know, yeah. They have Your boost ball. Is gone. They have boost ball I know, table. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just sort of what malls are trying to do to keep people coming back. And it's a lot of training to restaurants, training to um, mm -hmm. not apparel stores. Um, unless you can like provide this sort of experience to go in there and see what's new, and so I don't, yeah, I, I'm gonna say middle of the road on that for mm -hmm. me. Is that I guess okay? that's right. I think that's the first time that we've never forced someone to actually pick. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I won't force you. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's say somebody wants to uh, reach out to you, maybe share a tip, maybe read your stories online. How do they go about doing that? Um, I'm not hard to find. So it's the best it's, way to be on yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> um, you can. You know, my stories are on app.com, or on Facebook. Um, I have a LinkedIn page, Michael Diamond. If you, uh, it'd be good to connect with everybody, um, and just sort of have you know, it helps me kind of know what's going on in your world too, mm. um, and sort of keep an eye out for for trends and changes and issues that that business folks are facing here. Uh, Twitter, I'm on Twitter um, at mdiamondapp. Um, my phone number is 732-643-4038. Uh, Kim Guadano should like that one. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, email, uh, mdiamond at app. I have lots of different email addresses. So Cool. Yeah, I hope to hear from everybody. Thanks. Awesome. That is fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was great. It, it was. was it was fun. Yeah. It's always fun. It's always fun. Totally. <laughs> so I think that might be our show. That's our show. Uh, thank you to our subscribers and our listeners. We really appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey, New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp. So check them out if you need some updated coverage. And another thank you to Michael Diamond of the Asbury Park Press. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.